Hello and welcome to my series of conversations with stalwarts of music. Today's episode is being partnered by Perpetual Buzz Experiences. They're an artist representation company with three very basic but lofty goals. They're the launchpad for indie musicians, helping them leverage their success to produce memorable experiences for all you music lovers out there. They also help generate funding for a lot of social causes and make sure that musicians have a good time through the process. Do check them out on www.perpetualbus.com. We have yet another podcast partner, which is Wire Up Music Store, which is one of the finest music retail stores in Bangalore, with state-of-art equipment, your one-stop solution for musical gear ranging from guitars to ukulele and percussive instruments, and they also have a wide range of classical instruments. Do check out their Instagram page, which goes by the handle at the rate wireup.india. Speaking a little about my lovely guest for today, uh, Mr. Marco Miniman, who's an extremely reputed drummer, and he's defined his musical career uh, over the past decade. He's been playing drums since the age of 11. He's had a very prolific musical journey, started out in the 90s with a crossover band, which has got a very, very funky name called uh, Freakin' in Weirdos. And then he's played with uh, stalwarts like Paul Gilbert, Eddie Johnson, Stephen Wilson, Gatri Govan, Mohini Dev from India, and many more. He's primarily recognized as a drummer for the supergroup, The Aristocrats. Uh, but this gentleman has done some remarkable work producing uh, 14 solo albums. He's worked with Jordan Rudis of uh, Dream Theater and Tony Levin. Uh, so they worked on this collective project as a trio together, wherein he showcased all of his work as a writer and a vocalist also. He's also part of this award-winning book, which uh, is called Extreme Independence. Do check it out. A lot of you musical geeks out there, you'd love to have a read. Interestingly, he's also featured with Namada Swandam Taikudam Bridge on the uh, album Nama. Without any further ado, I'm delighted to welcome my guest for the night, Marco Miniman. Hello. Hi, Marco. How are you doing? Which part of the world are you in right now? Uh, like Elsinore in California. Oh, wonderful. So what are you doing? Are you, are you part of a tour? What, what's happening there? Well, I live here, and uh, so that's my house where I'm at. Oh, and lovely. So, Such a lovely yeah. place you've got. <laughs> nice. Could be worse, yeah. But yeah, our tour starts indeed soon as well. So there oh, you nice. go. Oh, lovely. Yeah. <laughs> you are where? I am in India. I'm in Bangalore right now. Oh, in Bangalore, of course, yeah. yeah I played yeah. there many times. Oh, yeah. Oh, wonderful. Uh, did, you have a, did you have a great experience playing to the Very people time. of Bangalore? Bangalore is actually one of my favorite places in India to play. It's like always like the some of the best crowd, some of the best people to play for. Uh-huh. I think you know. Well, you know, I mean, there's all everywhere good people as well. But Bangalore, we always had a great experience. I have to say, I'm I'm, uh, I'm so glad that you enjoyed the crowd out here. Yeah, <laughs> great. So let's get started uh, with our agenda for today. Uh, yeah. So I have a couple of interesting questions coming your way. Good. Bit. Uh, so, Marco, uh, I would describe you as someone who is very unostentatious and serene 
in your musical style. And uh, yet in many ways, there's, there's a lot of inner impulse that we see, which reflects in your personality, just like how I feel right now talking to you. Mm. Uh, but don't you think in some ways it's a little antithetical to the whole notion of performance because you're a monster when you perform? Uh, well, I, first of all, I th thank you so much, you know, for, uh, for your kind words. But um, the thing is, I think there's nothing worse, in my opinion, than musicians who take themselves way too serious. <laughs> and and that's kind of the thing, you know, what we have with the aristocrats also is where when we go on stage or something, there's always like the bond between the audience and us, you know, that makes us, I guess, who we are as well. You know, people are not scared to kind of watch us play. They kind of feel embodied into the show kind of as being part of it. You know, it's like it's it's horrible if 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 I guess if you play an instrument and you frighten people with it purposely or something like that, you know, and, and I think it it's a good feeling to make beautiful music. Um, hopefully, and <laughs> and if you have facility on and off to let that shine as well, and yeah, you know, it's great to get nice comments, you know, and and you know, but it's it, you know, it 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 always feels great when people just love the music and uh, are less afraid of going like, oh my god, I now want to sell my drum kit or now I want to sell my guitar or stuff like that. That's not the purpose of music. So uh, yes, but on and off we do have facility like this, or when I write as well, you know, but. Um, but for the, the greater good is the love for music and uh, the bond between the people and the music. Well, I guess you know that sounded about right. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Since we're on the topic of being Marco, your artistry, your persona, I see that you get lumped with several many musicians throughout, like in your musical pursuit over the past couple of decades. But you seem to transcend a little beyond what is required, you know, as a, as a musician. And you have a very unique thing that sort of defines your identity, right? In terms of your playing style and all of that. I can tell the lineage of some of the beats that you play that, that I can hear from the music that you put out. And I can also hear the rhythm side of things, even though you're playing a style which is very technical to a lot of people, right? There's, there's yeah. so much more to that, right? So how would you describe your playing style when someone says, Give the Marco Miniman touch to the music. How would you describe that? It's difficult to describe it because I just do really what I feel, you know, and what my heart tells me to do. And um, yeah, first of all, I do like to have the alphabet and the facility to kind of, you know, to, to play anything I want to play at any time if needed. So I describe it usually always like if you have like a, powerful car with a lot of horsepower, but you don't have to use it all the time. You don't have to drive fast all the time, all kind of race. But but you can feel that there is the horsepower there. And whenever you can shine something through or can do it, you kind of give a little hint, you know. And, and I, I do like surprises, I guess, you know, for example, well, you know, let's, let's, let's do the opposite attracts kind of thing. So for example, with the aristocrats or with my solo music, there are certain songs that have a lot of facility and some songs have also a lot of space, but people kind of expect that from me a little bit, you know? So when I did recently um, an EP with Kendall Yates, uh, singer and songwriter, and uh, uh, Alex Lifeson is part of, a part of it too, it went straight into a completely different direction, which is complete desert vibe, like, you know, wide, you know, mu uh, tones and, and a lot of space and just like, the beauty of kind of painting a picture basically was was really the goal and create and, and catching the vibe of it and projecting that and that to me 
is another side that not many people <clears throat> really witness to just come to my side to check out maybe the latest quintuplet uh, overlap with septuplets and stuff like that. <laughs> and so I was kind of at first a little scared that when I would post this, that people would kind of go like, well, what, what is this? What are, what, are they, what are they doing here right now? But, and this is actually really, there's hope for humankind. <laughs> <laughs> Literally 99.9% .9 of the comments were all wonderful and positive. And people were really going like, whoa, this is a beautiful piece of music, beautiful song. And so I think the, the world is ready or, or is not sometimes as oblivious as we think. You know what I mean? You know, where, where people think like, oh, everything is only good if it's really technical or something. So our followers, and especially in the prog world or jazz world, are actually really open-minded if you deliver something beautiful. And um yeah, on one of the songs, I did a little bit of fireworks. The song is called Malibu. And um, that was the thing where I actually uh, uh, kind of loved what I did. I was just kind of warming up and I said like, hey, why don't we do a jazz approach to that? And that kind of, you know, combined those two things and married them. And I guess, you know, people really loved it. But the other two songs are straight focused just only on creating the vibe. And uh, I'm I'm more focused on the guitar tones there, you know, that I use and and uh, and my bass and guitar playing and everything. And the drums really just have to be delicate, you know, like sometimes with brushes or rods or like, you know, swish cymbals. And I love that. And and I, I play that side actually more often than some people probably would think, you know. So, but I guess, you know, that describes maybe my style, you know, that that I do have an agenda in music and I do have a purpose of kind of, you know, playing what I kind of choose to play, you know. So it's like, I definitely, if it's simple, or if it's complex, the one thing I do like, it's like, I want to kind of, you know, play my rhythmic feel to it. You know, I cannot stand uh, if it's too sloppy, for example. So yeah, I do have like, you know, that quality control thing inside of my head always. It's kind of strange because when I play guitar, for example, I love sometimes leaving dirt on the tracks because I, that's what guitar is for. It's like guitar is a very emotional instrument. So are drums, but the drum set is basically the pizza dough, isn't it? And you put <laughs> toppings on top of it. So the pizza dough has to be solid. If the drummer sucks in the band, the whole band sounds like shit. So, you know what I mean? So, so I really kind of pay a lot of attention to that the drum track is beautiful. It doesn't have to be super tight, but it has to have a healthy pulse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sorry for the detours here. <laughs> Uh, in, in, in our conversation, you did mention a little bit about prog music, right? Progressive yeah. rock yeah. music or right. the stuff that you're involved in. So what yeah. are some of the inhibitors or factors that are resisting the growth and the evolution of genres like, say, neo-progressive rock in a commercial music space? We yeah. have... So basically what really prog music is and the, and the, and the diversions of it are, you know... Honestly, I never really took that too serious because uh, sometimes it's words that are made up, isn't it? You know, proc rock, everything. How do you define really a proc rock band, you know, for uh, to begin with? Um, so what is what is a typical proc rock band would be? Yes. In the 70s, you know, uh, like like with the fantasy covers of Roger Dean and then like, you know, lengthy songs with a lot of detours, you know, and singing about wizards in the forest. <laughs> no, no, but, but but stuff like that. Not always, yeah, you know. But yeah, yeah. but there are bands like you know, for example, Jethro Tull, who mm -hmm. who completely count actually as a prog rock band in a way. But in my opinion, 
they're like more like a folk rock experience, you know, like especially in the 70s, what they did. And so, but yeah, they get thrown into the whole same bin. And so do we with Max Stein and Miniman, what we do or what I do, sometimes do with my solo albums. But I never really kind of think about it. And all the musicians, you know, who I talk about, like the last thing they kind of do is like, Going like we 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 gonna make a Brock album now, you know that's 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 not what it's all what what that was all about, but um, so I can't even answer you to the question what neo proc versus regular proc is. Uh, I I see where this could go probably like you know proc bands are yes, and then neo proc would be like Haken or something like that. You know what I mean? You know I I I, I guess you know to answer the question, but I doubt that the people really think about it. I guess everybody just writes for you know if it's a good song, you know. And um, it's, so it's a difficult thing to answer. I guess, you know, with the aristocrats, we, we don't really count as proc since we're an instrumental trio and, uh, and, and, and it would be pro probably more jazz rock, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I don't know, you tell me, you know, it's like one of those things. Um, because I know, because I write the songs for the band as well. We all write, our, write songs and deliver those songs. But the last thing I sit there is like going like, okay, let's please our genre. I just sit there and go like, okay, what would Guthrie and Brian like? And then I play it and then I go like, hmm, no, that's a good song. Let's present it. You know? Right. But, but yeah. don't you think there are, there are a few factors or a few inhibitions that sort of, uh, you know, uh, has like, you know, it's niche-centric music at the end of the day, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and to sort of diversify in terms of uh, a bigger audience or a larger audience to listen to something like this, what could, what could be done better? in terms of that, in terms of the uh, listener base or the audiophiles who sort of uh, cater to uh, a musical. Oh, you movie. mean like to define a style to kind of yeah. point people in the right direction? Right. Well, yeah. you know, that's the thing and you have to, that's the thing I'm, I, I was about to add. You have to kind of, you know, define yourself with something, you know, so the, the, the problem is really when you kind of sign your album up for CD Baby or for, for, for Bandcamp or something, and then they're looking for you to define your style mm -hmm. and that's always when you sit there and go like ah oh, what is it is this actually really rock 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 metal is it indie is it uh you know that's kind of a thing and it's, uh, it's good when they have three genres because you know i always would define myself as indie alternative jazz <laughs> rock rock and electronica as well and oh, wow. you know so so that's that's kind of stuff you know that i'm that i'm kind of working in you know but uh I guess, I guess, you know, uh, uh, boats like Cruise to the Edge, which I kind of meanwhile did for the second time, define sort of, you know, that proc is alive and that proc is also a, uh, a valid form of uh, genre that kind of inhibits or kind of, you know, embraces all of these genres that we just talked about. Because when you kind of see like the recent, the recent proc rock experiences or festivals, there are a lot of jazz and rock and metal bands in there. Sure. So, so, so be it. So it used to be like 10 years ago or 15 years ago, proc was almost like a word that you didn't want to be affiliated with. It was like, you know, this kind of thing where it's like, oh, it's one of those pompous proc rock bands, you know, like a lot of strange keyboard sounds and a lot of kind of, you know, notes as fast as possible and a lot of odd meters here and there, mainly in seven. And, uh, <laughs> and so, and so, but that kind of completely diverted. Meanwhile, proc is a very, it stands for what is actually the meaning of it progressive like not kind of you know living in one genre but kind of pushing boundaries or being experimental with music so actually that's kind of a beautiful thing 
therefore nine inch nails will count as proc as well you know <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah uh you've in in your career spanning so many decades you've worked with quite a diverse bunch of artists if you were to look at it you've worked with everyone from mohini day to yeah john frushante to mike stern to jordan rudis and the aristocrats of course then what yeah. ways you think these set of artists have set cross cultural influences which mm-hmm. have influenced your personal work oh yeah everything about it like especially what you just mentioned the album with deva bujana Mm-hmm. and uh Jordan Rudis is on the John Frusciante uh then uh, Mohini Day and uh yes Mike Stern plays something as well yeah um and that is kind of the perfect example especially of Mohini and myself and Mohini and I we go way back we play already many many years and know each other for a long time and uh she's in my other band now as well with Randy McStein together what I have and so the the beauty of it is from to me especially the conoco playing and and yeah. and the tradition the beautiful music music tradition that you guys in india have was always felt always very natural to me it was like i embraced it immediately because i have the same way of thinking but a different way of counting it but the goal is exactly the same and so when mohini and i started playing these kind of things and 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 started developing pieces of it it felt absolutely natural to me and uh and but i do think you know for example little accents that are kind of different that that uh that i really embraced you know when i came to india first when i played with a guy called karuna murthy and uh he's a you know tabla player and and uh and he's 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 great and and so because i played my my stuff with fives and nines and i was like okay one two three four the bam 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 the bam 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 and he would go like yeah that's actually very cool in india we do like this one accent in this, in a certain region the fives we add like another 16th note or so, or or, or uh, um, on the sevens or the nines so if i would play one two one two one two we would do it's like this is cool let's com- <laughs> let's combine this you know and so so these are things that you just learn by traveling and by working with musicians because as you know especially in india but also in latin america you know certain people literally kind of know certain phrases from a region that are used to play the clave in a certain way or you know and that's the same you know with 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 uh, the indian conical you know i think and uh, correct me if i'm wrong but that's what i always experience and i and i love it i have the deep appreciation for that because it really combines you know cultures and the different way of seeing things but then also combining them with different instruments and creating beautiful uh results with it you know and 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 when mohini and i are doing these conical pieces live uh people are always dumbstruck and i i love that in 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 the best possible way the best example was we just recently played an open air festival here in southern california in a small city close to palm springs literally where just like you know where mostly people came who had no idea for that a lot of people were there for pat travers who played there as well it's mm. great so like just rock not just a rock band and we were there with Max Stein and Miniman and there was like you know also like some Van Halen cover bands and all kinds of stuff so there was like literally a fair amount of like drinking biker leather wearing you know uh, yeah it. bikers you know who wanted to have fun and drink but even all those people as soon as we started with the conical thing 
some people who were our fans, they knew what they expected. They were like, oh, cool, here it comes. This is awesome. But some people who had no idea about this and were just concentrating on the beer at first, they all went to the stage and were like, whoa, what the hell is that? This is cool, you know? So there is definitely the mission accomplished, you know? So there is, I think, I think um, it goes into the territory of um, your voice wants to be heard. And it's also a part of excellence, you know, to play something like this and to learn these kind of things. And it's a dedication. Yeah, maybe that's a better word for, for it to then, to then kind of make it as good as possible. And you must be really um, um, ignorant and, and dumb to not understand that. You know, everyone who has like a brain inside of their head and a little bit of cultural, you know, will, you know, to, to learn is probably kind of going like, whoa, what is this? And that's cool. Uh, you did mention that you enjoyed your musical experience in, in, in a lovely country. Uh, what did you like? What, what were some of the highlights or some anecdotes from your experience in India? Were you drawn towards a certain musical form? Did you like a certain, certain culture that sort of uh, drew you to, you know, understand and learn more about Indian music? Could you throw some light on that? Yeah, well, you know, it was really kind of the personal experiences, you know? So, for example, uh, being able to or, or being invited to like wonderful uh, uh, people's houses and playing with them. That is where you learn the most and where you kind of communicate the most. And it's a give and take. I remember like, you know, which is such a beautiful thing. Gino Banks, the drummer from yeah, India, yeah, you know him yeah. and his father. Yeah, yes. exactly. Louis Banks. So, yes, Louis, exactly. And, and so they invited me to their house mm -hmm. to play all together. And they were asking me some questions, how I do these kind of things. And I was asking them some questions, what do, what they do, what they do. And then we collaborated on stuff. And that is just so beautiful. That's, these are some of the highlights, you know, and, uh, and also I have to really say it's, it's mostly when you kind of go into uh, depth on like smaller in, in smaller cities where you can concentrate, you know, on the people a little better. Like, obviously when you're in Kolkata, it's fantastic. You know, I love it. But we play like it's, those are big events. There's a lot of people coming, and it's you put, on, you put on a show, and then you know, in the same in Mumbai, you know, or Bombay or whatever, you know, like the old and new part, or, or or New Delhi, you know, those are actually places where you mainly play your show, and then you go back to your hotel and are kind of sheltered away a little bit sometimes, you know, and that's 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 it's fun and people appreciate it and it's great, you know. But I really really like you know when I was. Uh, invited you know to to Gino's and Louis uh, place you know well that was in Kolkata and also like places where people don't go that often like well, oh Bangalore for example Bangalore is like you always feel that people are just coming to enjoy themselves and have a great time all together you know and and it was uh, some of the best audiences ever I, I remember like they're so boisterous and so uh, appreciated and appreciating and um and and the other place which i really remember which was a little bit an odd one out was guwahati <laughs> guwahati yeah yeah they, they have yeah. a stronghold when it comes to some great absolutely. music absolutely yeah. yeah absolutely so so uh yeah yeah so these are experiences you know and and different experiences from that but yeah to revert back to the original question was like you know really playing just one-on-one, -on -one, you know, with people and that there's like willingness to do so. And that there's like, everybody's so curious about music. It is like a, a celebration, you know, and those are the, the highlights, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't work in many countries that way you play and then you go out and drink, 
you know, in, <laughs> yeah, in India you play and then you go out and drink and play some more with the drinks, you know, like it, it's, yeah. it, there's the community. Yep. There's, yeah, there's music in the air and I like that, you know. Wonderful, mm -hmm. wonderful. I'm so glad uh, you had a great time in India. And, and oh, we're yeah, really looking forward to see you in a lot of other parts of India and a couple of more occasions. Yeah, yeah that, that I'm surprising me soon, possibly in 2023. Yeah. With our new Aristocrats album, we're probably going to come out again. Yeah, that's going to be massive. So are you, are you coming with the orchestra? Is, is, is this going to be... Ah, a, I'd I love that. So. <laughs> yeah, that would be... Yeah, if we if we would kind of all go broke and <laughs> <laughs> spend like the money on uh, uh, on flights and hotels. Uh, yeah, that would be um, that would be a little uh, extravagant, you know, but... Um, yeah. Yeah. but <laughs> what would that's be possible, a dream, right? Yeah, that is like something. I mean, we could do this maybe directly in Poland, where the orchestra is from. We can do like maybe an installed week of yeah. shows, yeah. or like you know, bigger cities like London, Los Angeles, Tokyo, or in India, certain places where you have local orchestras. Yeah, yeah. Who can have the sheet music? Of course. Ahead of time, right. learn and then you play together. That would be nice. Yeah, that would be, nice. be great. Yeah. <laughs> so percussion has been such an integral part of your life something that has been carried forward from your previous life maybe it's a, can, uh, you, try, maybe. <laughs> can yeah. you try and describe what happens to you when you're actually playing the instrument and what does it gift you um well it's the, for me really kind of a state of zen you know that i would describe it when i when i play nothing around matters you're in that zone mm -hmm. it's like you know it, it doesn't it's 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 hard to describe it's like i sometimes remember dream sequences literally like you know that i had like a while back that i wouldn't remember if i just talk to you right now or walk around it's like you you enter you open a door to subconsciousness that kind of you know plays a role and you create you see it i almost see it visually when i when when i play i kind of hear the music i can see pictures or images that's what really happens so it's never a job it's always fun and uh and and bliss in a way so that to me is really playing it. It's there's no greater feeling really than that. There's it's bigger than money. Money can't buy that. What you have, you sure. know. Sure. I always say that. I said this many times, but uh, and I say this at clinic sometimes. You know, uh, when when people when if somebody would go like, hey, look, I have like you know uh, a two million two point five million dollar Rolls Royce I just bought, and I would go <laughs> like, well, but can you play seven against nine against five? No, you can't. <laughs> Well, that's okay. Then you can take your Rolls Royce and take off again. You know, it's like you can't buy that. There's like certain things, you know, you cannot buy talent. That is, for example, or creativity. And to me, that is what you're going to be remembered for in the future, you know, because you don't take your Rolls Royce with you or your Tesla or your house or, or anything. You take, you leave something in the universe behind that is much greater, you know. So, and, and, and that's what I'm thinking. Obviously, I like to have, a, I, I live on the lake. That's nice. Yes. And it helps me writing good music. Yeah, I yes. like that too. But yeah. it's not my first goal. My first goal is always to play the best I can. So and that what that's what that's what what's happening. So when I sit behind the drum set, it doesn't matter if I'm playing here on the lake or if I'm playing uh, somewhere in a small club, actually in South Dakota, uh, where <laughs> next to the cows. It doesn't matter, you know. <laughs> it's like the performance is always the the most Focus. important. Yeah, absolutely. The love confession. You did mention of uh, a little bit about the the whole spiritual aspect of or, of the Zen, right? 
So people have looked at the relationship between music and divinity and music yeah. is essentially a root to something like divinity. So have you felt this relationship? Are you a spiritual person? If yes, what are some of the spiritual techniques that you personally embody? Yeah, it's very interesting because I'm actually not really a spiritual person. I, a person. I never grew up that way. Mm-hmm. But I did develop the love, you know, for music and art and creativity and also, you know, between humans. But I was never really raised in any sort of religious environment, like no church or, or, or other, you know, um, uh, <laughs> religions I would kind of stray to or kind of, you know, look into. Maybe I should, you know, I'm interested in it. But um, I don't really, yeah, it's a short answer. I don't really practice these kind of things. I just, I'm, I just believe, like you know, if you in, in energy exchange, if you if you give energy, good energy to the people, they will bring you this back. And if you, I guess, succeed with what you're doing, and that is a successful uh, ex interchange or exchange, then there's, then that's a reason to continue that way. And uh, yeah, why right now I'm not looking for anything else. To be very honest, I'm, I'm happy and content in my life, and. Uh, that's really, you know, I don't know, you know, so, so no, I, I, I don't really kind of sit there and, 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 and do like one hour of uh, <laughs> humming or something like that. <laughs> uh, I'm also keen in getting to know, uh, you've definitely achieved technical excellence to surrendering to the bubble of sound and encase yourself in it. Right? And you've been yeah. working with some of the finest musicians from across the world. What remains for you now? Huh. Well, I tell you what, what remains, it's uh, the, the beauty of kind of, you know, creating further and further and further. There's always, you know, that feeling when you write a song and it gives you maybe goosebumps or it makes you feel you want to kind of share it with the world. And that's, that's the thing. It's not like who I play with is like almost always what I play, you know, and there's always development. And if it's not technical, then it's in sound you know, or, or in diversity or becoming rich, you become, it's, it's like the more experience you have, the more you can kind of look back and ease and breathe and go like, ah, well, you know, because when you've done already so many things, you don't have to prove anything anymore. You can just enjoy creating music. And that to me is like most important. So I'm not really looking for anything or kind of going in or to go into a certain direction. I just, what I'm very proud of is actually to kind of always find new things to kind of go to. For example, I'm not keen on, on, on necessarily revisiting things, you know, and kind of going back and playing with artists that have been already around for 50 years. Nothing wrong with that, of course, and I happily do that. But what I'm really proud of is like finding new talents, like, for example, Kendall, like what I, what I did with, with mm-hmm. her and seeing her getting embraced into all the world that I already work in. And that is amazing, you know, to 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 give the gift that 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 you received in life further on to kind of you know pass it on. I think it's our duty as musicians and artists to do so, and be happy to kind of pass on, you know, torches or the talent or kind of because it, your joy multiplies by doing so. Seeing like someone who is still, who, who is kind of about to get successful and, and has talent, discovering this talent and working with the person, making this person really happy, the joy multiplies. And that, and that, and that, and that to me is like, you know, uh, 
more important, you know, than kind of revisiting certain stuff on and, and doing like some tours, which is a compromise sometimes, you know, with certain artists you don't even like, you know what I mean? You know, because that is something, you know, that I think is, is not being truthful, you know, on the other hand, Hey, you not everybody is kind of, you know, blessed to kind of writing their own music, you know, and making money of it. So yeah, if somebody kind of takes like a big pop gig or something and needs the money, there is nothing wrong with it. I don't want to say it. And maybe people like it for the fashion or for the style. But my, my agenda is a little bit different. So that's, and that's what we're talking about here right now. So again, I don't want to judge people about it, but that's my personal opinion. So, so if I may know, what is, what is more important for you? Is it the journey or is it destination? Oh yeah, yeah, the journey. Absolutely. Clear as daylight. Because the destination, <laughs> I don't want to define a destination. See, here's the thing. It's like with, with music or any art form, I'm almost scared to deliver the perfect work. You know what I mean? You know, when, when I revisit, for example, albums, there's mostly something I find where I go like, ah, on that song, we could have done this maybe a little better. Or, mm. It's not that I'm embarrassed of the albums or something. Not at all. There are like some great pieces, I think, on it, you know, and then we keep continuing making music. But um, it, describing certain things as perfect if you you know then if if you make the perfect statement that you think like yep that's it well right now where where should i go from there then and then i'm i'm i would be scared of that because then i'm scared of not experimenting anymore or not going anymore if you kind of make a statement that makes you so proud or you get the, the confirmation of it maybe as well that makes you stop music i don't I, I don't like the idea i like like little imperfections so that gives you kind of you know the that grants you to always kind of you know develop and go into different eras and areas and and I think if you do something that is close to perfect, which what we did with uh, the last album that I did with Randy McStein together, uh, McStein and Minimum Two, I think is a really good album, and we were both uh, very pleased with it and uh, hated to say it almost, you know, because usually <laughs> you know it's 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 weird to say that, but we were like, hey, actually, <laughs> this came out exactly as we envisioned, if not even better. But the beauty of it then is like to go into a different direction and try to kind of play with different elements. So yeah, perfect in my opinion doesn't really exist, you know. It's and it shouldn't, you know. Otherwise, there would be no uh, evolution. No. Wonderful, wonderful. That's a wonderful take. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. A lot of musicians that I've I've come across the uh, recent, uh, you know, couple of years. Uh, they have been able to blend two completely different musical forms and create something that becomes an all new classic for people like me who listen to it. It is normally stayed with novelty and it's only very rarely on, on, on a few occasions, people say that they've tried to create fusion music of two complete different musical styles. And that resulted in vitality for a while and it's forgotten later. Yeah. What is your take on a scenario like that? You mean kind of being something uh, uh, creative, but it has like a limited time shelf, so yes. life yes. shelf. Yes. You, uh, so I think, you know, there will be always like a thing, you know, that can be revisited in the future. You know, I think, you know, good music and whatever you created will not go away. You know, sometimes it will have a break and then people will listen to it again. Mm -hmm. The best example right now is... You remember the artist Kate Bush from, from England? Yes. She's a fantastic artist, like very talented and multi-instrumentalist, a great 
songwriter, lyricist, mm -hmm. producer. He even used to dance very well and, right. and still maybe, I don't know, but, but just like just the writing of her is so strong. And I remember uh, sometimes introducing people to their album, The Dreaming, uh, her album, The Dreaming or Hounds of Love. And well, her big hit, which is, which, which doesn't represent her repertoire, but is still a big hit, used, uh, was Running Up That Hill, which was a huge hit in the 80s. So the album overall, Hounds of Love, is beautiful. And so I played it sometimes to people and people always go like, oh, this is, this is great. This is really good music. So, <laughs> so now this weird thing happened. I played the song to some people and it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, hey, that's pretty cool, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, awesome. And then it kind of, you know, yeah, so there it was. And uh, maybe listen to it once or twice. So now, just literally a few months later, and I didn't predict that, but a TV show picked up that song and featured that song in their series or something like that of, you know, uh, broadcasts. And the song became once again everywhere a number one hit everybody in all over the world starts playing that song again it's all over social media and the people i played that song already a few months ago that listened maybe once or twice now can't stop listening to that song anymore because it is everywhere and they love it it's like oh my god and they kind of chat about it and and talk about it and i guess you know that is pretty much you know what happens because you know kate bush is by all means not a commercial writer with some of her style she does but and I guess, you know, yeah, it's a little bit like Sleeping Beauty, you know, that kind of, <laughs> the fairy tale, like, you know, like, you know, you're on and off, you know, you, you wake up because what you leave behind in the universe will get revisited. And it's the same with, with great bands like Queen, you know, and also like you guys have like, you know, obviously fantastic releases or Shankar or something like that, you know, this kind of stuff will always be revisited. It will sometimes to give it a rest, but then another generation their father will show in the album or some university and we're like, ah, here it is again. So I wouldn't be afraid of something that is, that is being overlooked or something, you know? Yeah. You know, you can't always succeed with things, you know, or kind of have it being always there in the universe, but I think, you know, good stuff will get revisited and will leave the mark in the universe. Uh, gotta be, yeah, gotta have a little bit of talent, obviously of social media as well and posting on and off things. And it's like, yeah, that plays a role these days, doesn't it? People have yes, such a totally. short attention span, which is, this is something I'm more afraid of. It's like not, you know, getting overlooked with, with art because it will find the way, uh, its way. But what I'm kind of worrying about is that certain generations are running the risk of literally dumbing down of art and music because posts are getting shorter and shorter. TikTok has like, what, five seconds or something clips or something <laughs> like this. Ridiculous. If you have like, you know, a beautiful piece of music like Wish You Were Here from Pink Floyd or uh, Shine On Your Crazy Diamond, which is like 12 minutes long, the intro already takes three minutes and 50 seconds or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. You yeah. can't do this on TikTok. Yeah. So, so meanwhile, you know, like people get encouraged to do like, you know, the maximum output within five to 10 seconds <laughs> to kind of post it. And then and then what? And then what? You know, it's like that's not writing a beautiful song. You know, that's just creating uh, a thing to be, you know, to to kind of get attention. And Correct. and and I see more and more, you know, bands when they come into a studio, who are not capable to play a single take anymore. <laughs> you know, because you know they're so used to looking at the screen and copy and paste things and kind of you know cut and, and bits of pieces. 
And I think it should go really back. And this is what I like about the vinyl revival, stuff like that, that people, meanwhile, have to take the time again to go like, yeah, actually, vinyl is cool. We put it on the turntable. We have a glass of wine with it or something. And we celebrate the listening experience. And that brings kind of, I guess, you know, uh, people back to, to, to music, not only vinyl, but also playing clubs and the club scenes that they are active or something that encourages new bands to learn how to play again. But there, there is the risk factor to re releasing dumbness sometimes, you know, to dumb down things, to not go about quality, but like really the quantity and like quick clips. And, uh, and sometimes, you know, I kind of, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I almost feel like that certain quality is, is, is going away. You know, what you just said, like certain, certain things that Mahavishnu Orchestra did or Frank Zappa or those bands are also Queen, you know, like, you know, creating such a beautiful piece like Grand Rhapsody or something like that. There's love of art in there. And I salute bands, you know, who who strive for that still in these days. So, yeah. <laughs> Lovely. So we did speak about musical forms and I'm very interested to know uh, your take towards uh, musical forms, which are appropriate to particular feelings that someone wants to communicate and express. Uh, can you throw some light on that when it comes to your personal experience uh, in terms of making music? How does it, how does it work for you? Uh, hang on, uh, uh, can you redefine the question? You mean musical forms, how people react to it or what it should project to the people? Uh, no, in terms of, yeah, in terms of your personal feelings, uh, that you would like to communicate and express through a particular song. Right? Mm -hmm. So, do you like what is your take on that when it when it's being projected to people? I think I think I think it's a, a very important emotional outlet, and uh, yeah. it very much is a valid point. So, and most of my music, especially when it's lyrically based, uh, is absolutely aimed at that. You know, like the all of my albums uh, lyrically deal with true emotional content yeah. which would always make it therapeutic because you let these things out in music you know it's like you know music is literally a form of dealing with yourself and expressing feelings you can have it literally all of a sudden in front of you almost like in a physical or like audio wave form you know because it touches you and when you kind of write like a nice harmonic uh shifts to it and, and and create something like a beautiful arrangement it it comes alive it's not in your head anymore <laughs> out there and so and it, and, it, and it will communicate with the people and some people can identify themselves with that and be touched so that is actually important to me it's actually very important to me so it's a very very good question because um it's if you don't, a friend of mine, Francis Dunnery, once said this kind of thing, which is very cool. He goes like, if you don't have a story, you don't have anything. <laughs> so that's really, that's really your agenda in music. And even with the aristocrats, um, as, a, as an instrumental trio, we do have a mission. Like, you know, certain, by the song titles, we already have a story in mind, what we kind of, you know, tell the audience or how the song came about. But it put, projects like a certain vibe. There's never anything done just by sheer technical joy or, or, or just to kind of go like, well, well here it is, there's a composition. Um, there's always like, you know, something behind it, you know, either way it sounds like, you know, twangy and, 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 and funny, or it sounds like, you know, uh, uh, provoking, like, you know, which, which one of the songs I did on the first album, which kind of messes around with blues stuff. 
uh, stuff like this, you know, or we do like a pur purposely, I did once like a dance song for the aristocrats, dance of the aristocrats and kind of, you know, just, just doing that. But things like that, you know, they have a mission, you know, and you you can tell a story about it and why you did it. And you start laughing while you write sometimes these songs, you know, and um, or being emotional when I write, you know, songs for the last album that I did with uh, Randy McStein together. You know, there was like a lot of emotional content, but I think it was very beautiful, but it was verbally communicated. So, yeah, long story short, I absolutely think it's very important to have a story behind it and let your thoughts out of out of your head if it's about yourself or if it's about the environment or anything but if you have something to say musically or lyrically or both then that is kind of pretty much the winning ticket i i suppose yeah on that note i'd also like to talk a little bit about your new album with the primus chamber orchestra yeah how did that come about and what was what was the entire experience like uh, i'm sure it's been it's been spanning several uh, months to sort of, uh, you know, put this entire oh, yeah. project out. So could you tell us a little bit, like a brief about the mm -hmm. experience working with them and yeah. how did the entire thought come about? It was a pandemic experience, uh, to make it really short, you know, because, uh, I mean, not not really, actually, but it kind of became, it came to life through the pandemic, I have to say, probably prob very likely, actually, because um, when we stopped touring, mm -hmm. uh, that was basically when the world sort of stood still for two years. And um, which, strangely enough, I mean, it's obviously a bad thing, you know, that that happened, you know, but strangely enough, and I know a lot of my musician friends enjoy being at home, as horrible as it was, but a lot of people were like, ah, oh, no touring right now, you know, just like, you know, having like a little bit of time and then kind of, you know, creating something here, maybe getting different ideas. Without the pandemic, I wouldn't have probably formed the band together with Randy McStein. And we did these two fantastic albums. Without the pandemic, you know, the thing with the orchestra probably wouldn't have happened. And the thing how it came about was really that um, uh, the Primus uh, Orchestra uh, did one song and by themselves, they just did a cover version of Culture Clash. And, um, yeah. of them. and uh, I think our band manager, uh, Ricardo Capelli, he... I think he he was the one spotting it. He saw that somewhere online and sent it over to us. He goes like, hey guys, check this out. <laughs> and you know, sometimes you get like cover versions and you think like, you know, sometimes you go like, oh, okay, that's nice, cool. And, and sometimes, you know, and you move on and stuff like that. You go like, oh, thank you, blah, blah, blah. That one was different. That was like complete orchestra arranged and very different take of somebody not just, or not, not just, I want to say, because I respect a lot when people cover our songs, but there was, there was something that was, we were able to communicate with, you know? So all of a sudden, you know, we heard this arrangement and thought like, wait a minute, this is really cool. So we thanked them. And uh, uh, the main guy, Wojtek, he's like um, the, the arranger and yeah. uh, conductor. He, uh, he's a huge fan. He was like willing to do another song or something because, you know, we kind of put it out there. It's like, hey, shall we do maybe one or two other songs? Do it like an EP, like, one of each of our of the band members, one of each of their songs with an orchestra, and uh, and it came together so nicely, and also like not in the average way where you think like, uh, okay, here's the song, and then we just kind of throw the orchestra on top. No, it was like really composed with the orchestra, and the arrangements were being made and 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 re redone, and that was beautiful. And so when we saw like you know those three pieces coming together nicely, then we thought, okay, hey, why don't we do an entire album? And uh, 
that was basically the uh, how how it happened, and we did have yeah, time on our hands, right? You know, because we were not touring, so it became like a labor of love, you know, during the dark days of the pandemic, which then, after all, you know, were not that dark anymore, you know, because you kind <laughs> of you you create <laughs> you cre you create beauty out of darkness, right? You know, that's kind of one of those things you can do that, you know. So whatever happens, you can turn it into something beautiful, I yeah. think, and. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was that was how that happened. And here's the album, and and we're on tour. <laughs> In fact, I had one of the best uh, birthday surprises when your management uh, made me listen to the album before it's released. They gave me like a private exclusive oh. stream oh, cool. to the album, and I was just yeah. I had one of my best birthdays listening to your album. It was oh, such okay. a such a such a privilege to have. Uh, oh, thank you, thank listened you. Listen to this fun. entire <laughs> massive project. You know, it was incredible. Yeah. That's something, huh? That is that is definitely something where you're like, whoa! And it came together very nicely. It came together very good, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot, a lot of fans out here want to know a little bit about the artwork and your mascot. So, how did that yeah. entire idea pop out? Well, I guess you know I'm partially to blame for that, and uh, also Guthrie, because uh, we were in um, during one of our tours when we kind of came to Turkey, you know. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> That was actually really funny because they took us like uh, to those bazaars in, in town and kind of yeah. you know showed us around. Right. And they uh, they said like, "Hey, do you guys wanna wanna take a present with you? Like you know some souvenir, like a nice <laughs> uh, teacup or something like this." <laughs> but, then, but then we thought like, "Hey, that would be very nice, but you can't really travel with a teacup; it would break in the luggage or something like that, right?" But I saw like those rubber chickens hanging there, <laughs> and I said like, I said for fun, I said like. I want one of those chickens and we bring it on stage tonight. And he was like, you want the chicken? And I was like, yeah. And then the other guy, the other two guys, Guthrie and Brian went like, yeah, let's get three of them. And then we kind of use them on stage just for fun. And so we kept running around through Turkey with chickens. It's a paradox, isn't it? <laughs> so, and, uh, and then, you know, we kind of, you know, uh, started making noises and people were kind of looking always where these noises come from. And we had a ball because we put them in, in plastic bags and be like on a, on a tram, you know, riding actually and kind of making those noises and people didn't know where it came from, stuff like that. So we loved it. And then we brought it on stage and people started going nuts and we incorporated them in the songs just for our own entertainment. And then uh, at an Italian rest stop, one of those auto grills you have there, uh, Guthrie saw a pig. So now <laughs> the pig joined in. Yeah. So then all of a sudden we were kind of, you know, came. It became our thing. It became a, a, a trademark in a way. Yeah. And so it was only right to then do the album art with a classical. Uh, That's a total classic. Yeah. Yeah. With a, So, you know, the thing is like that. It's like this old EMI, the EMI dog emblem with the dog looking that way into that yeah. gramophone. Gramophone. Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of really thought like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> we have like other animals there. We could just do that, you know. <laughs> and it, I think that's actually very funny. So and that's that's how it came about. So I guess it shows our regular, you know, aristocratic humor, you know, in in the production. After all, as as serious actually this album is, it's actually really a serious album. There's like hardly, uh, I mean, that that's like that's like a proper classical project. <laughs> yeah, everything's on point from marketing to the mascot to the music. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's yeah, just yeah, that 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 went pretty punched well. a hole. It's punched a hole among uh, a lot of lovely fans from different parts of the yeah. world. 
glad to hear that <laughs> but awestruck to listen to this entire uh, oh. record yeah thank you i'm glad you enjoy it yeah. <laughs> so talking about cosmos in the future uh, and and the sort of expansive eternal growing future coming down to your use of skills as a you know percussionist or a composer how do you project this in your compositions and reach out into the future can you give us an example you mean the growing cosmos of music or or in general the growing cosmos of no, of, music, music, of music of music of music i was like yeah i know what do you mean it would be cool because it goes hand in hand isn't it without yeah. the universe there would be no pocket universe or there would be no yeah. thing what we do yeah. um well you know we definitely have things on our agenda and there is a future for that so we already plan ahead so i have a new solo album coming out which i won't probably release until 2023 as well you know but i have enough songs ready and they're all almost all done that's the thing i always do you know <laughs> this is the thing when i write music i kind of put them into different directions you see me sitting here writing music and then some of the stuff is good for the aristocrats some of the stuff is good for what I do with Randy and some of the stuff I re release on my own this is how that really works so the future clearly now is um concentrating on the aristocrats tour and um so that will be a global tour and um then writing already new material for our next studio album which I'm almost finished with I'm on the last song for that um yeah yeah that and then what else is going on a lot of studio productions always that's kind of a thing i love to do and i get like booked a lot for studio projects you know and i, I love doing that because it keeps me entertained and it keeps me also you know discovering new talents and and just like you know connecting with great people and so i have always in my house my drum set is always mic'd up and my guitars and bass here too and stuff so i can always deliver something on the spot which i think is is very cool that you can do that these days and like 25 years ago they wouldn't have been possible you had to go on the studio you know meanwhile you know you can do this like you know with the computer technology and your audio interfaces brilliantly you have everything <laughs> set up and uh, with fast internet these days you can literally kind of do a production within two hours somebody sends you in that hour a song and you send it back actually the next hour you know if it's a quick or readable song so these are things i'm doing a lot and i'm enjoying them and i know the sounds i'm getting here people like what i do and uh and people book me that's the important thing <laughs> people book me for what yeah but also for what i do you know what that was like a thing that when you start playing music you get a lot of times like you know people who just want to book you because they hear you can do this and you can do that and then they kind of want want you to play what they hear inside of their heads and that all of a sudden turned around at some point at some point they were like we want his style on our record do whatever you want we appreciate it that was to me the most satisfying moment i mean it gradually happened when that when when people were inviting you for who you are and what you bring to the music sure. that was the absolute turning point where i thought like Oh this is cool. So now I I I am sort of respected in the music world. And so yeah, these things I do definitely. Uh so when people hire me for stuff and I I I love playing that, you know. So yeah, but the future, you know, like for for uh, my own creative output. New Max Stein and Midman album that's coming out end of this year. Uh next Aristocrat Studio album in 2023 and also likely one of my so new solo albums. 
And whatever happens, if there's like some beautiful collaboration happening with someone, like the Deva Bujana thing, which completely came out of nowhere. And there it was. And it was a great album. And we recorded that album literally in half a day, which was like, <laughs> that was, we still don't know how we did it, but it was just ridiculous. It was set up, sound check, and then playing the songs by reading them and developing that conical piece I did with Mohini. That was like developed during lunch. Wow. And when you listen back to that, you know, you go like, and we all kind of, I know Jordan, Mohini and I, we sometimes kind of go like, how did we do that? Because it's like, oh, shudder. I shudder to think, you know, usually what I like with albums like these is like be at home and do maybe one song a day, revisit it a little bit and then work on it. And But yes, sometimes these things happen and the magic is there and uh, on the spot and you create. <laughs> you, make yeah. it sound, you make it sound very simple. <laughs> I can't do anything else, isn't it? You know, so I have to be good at something. No, I don't know, but it's, uh, you have to, it's sometimes not simple at all, obviously, but I think you have to be confident, you know, with what you do. Yeah. And and I know like sometimes there's like a lot of notes and a lot of kind of, you know, charts. And then if you kind of go, go in with the expectation, it's like, oh my God, this is really hard. I need to concentrate. Then that's not for you. You need to kind of face it. You need to, need to go, yeah, I'm doing it. Here we are. And then it becomes joyful and easy after all. Uh, what about the non-performing Beethoven and life in general? We've, we've definitely become a society that wants to keep holding on to youth, to duty, to what have you, right? So do you feel the process of ultimate disintegration, probably giving in, perhaps? That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, difficult, that's a difficult question. Can you repeat that? I, I, I need to wrap my head around this. So, so what, what, do you, what do you mean by that? So in, in terms of, I mean, of course, you're a great musician. Yeah. What is what is life beyond that? Like, what's your non-performing Beethoven like apart from the musical bit? Right? At least in terms of society, we have a lot yeah. of facades and this this uh, this concept of duty, this this concept of you know holding on to youth, and so there's this yeah, yeah. Okay. there's uh, yeah. a little bit of fear, right, when it comes to disintegration sometimes. So maybe okay. giving in at a certain point. So yeah, what is your take live, on something like that? We live in we live in interesting times, you know. Uh, that's the thing. I had this discussion just yesterday night, actually, with my girlfriend driving back from a show where we were invited to with Nick Bex, my dear friend, and we were kind of hanging there. And then we talked exactly on the way of what is happening, first of all, in the world, you know, like those new rules about like abortion here and in certain states and all kinds of things that are going on in the news. Right. And uh, but then also <laughs> what I kind of lately really talk about and I'm concerned about there is like this movie called Idiocracy. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't. No? no. That movie was made in 2005 okay. and it was dealing already by that time by internet and, 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 and things like really kind of dumbing people sometimes down and with the whole social media kind of thing and people are not challenged anymore right. and kind of, you know, make their things about like post more about like, oh, here's my new picture with Botox, you know, rather than kind of, you know, <laughs> talking about Hey, I wrote a really cool piece in 1716. You know what I mean? And 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 that is kind of a thing I really worry about it. But I I I still I think there's hope for humanity overall. And I kind of still make my life beyond music. Also, I, I try to find people 
who are who have the same agenda and the same view of the world. And there are those people. There are colleges, there are music colleges, there are music lovers and artists, you know, who take the time to paint, to create, to write. And these are people I like to meet and 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 have fun with and kind of be creative with. I mean, there's nothing wrong, obviously, sometimes going out at a dive bar and get like drunk. You know, I like that, you know, or I'll play or, or do something. But for the future, you know, I don't know, you know, it's 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 always difficult to project the future or to predict, you know, what is going on. But I see a ray of hope, you know, and 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 um I have to. Otherwise, you know, if you don't see that, you know, then you you your life would become miserable, you know, like see, or you know, people would get depressed. But like I said earlier, and that reflects in music again, I see like, you know, people revert into art again, buying vinyl going out, you know, and, and taking their time and leaving their cell phone, maybe sometimes at home. That's the thing that bothers me about, you know, uh, uh, the current state. It's like, you know, when you go out to dinner with certain friends and half of the people sit on their goddamn phone the entire <laughs> time and stare at it instead of kind of having a, having a valid conversation. How many people do you know who actually can, ple- can, completely, uh, can, can, can speak in complete sentences and articulate themselves? Uh, writing-wise as well, without writing an emoji or 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 doing the right, you know, grammar spelling or stuff like that. It's an that's an art form in itself that kind of went away, and that's not being old-fashioned. That's being intellectual, and I think you know I'm I'm fighting for that side to go like, no, I kind of speak in complete sentences, and I don't write a smiley face. I kind of write that sentence out. Maybe I do sometimes, but you know, but but the, the, that's the thing you know that that worries me about about the ongoing generations, you know, shit like this, you know, but um, again, again, it will come back, you know. Yeah, 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 I don't know. I have not much else to say because politically or something like that, you know, I write, I'd rather stay out of politics, you know, because I don't know where it's heading, you know, but uh, we had grim, grim uh, past two years, that's for sure. <laughs> so let's come to an interesting segment as part of our agenda today. This is the rapid fire segment. And cool. uh, you've got to be very spontaneous with your answers. I try and, my best. Uh, you can't think too much. And if you get them right, I'm going to send you these cute little cupcakes from a local bakehouse in Bangalore. Oh, yeah. I would like to have them anyways, even if I don't get them right. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. These are from Glenn's Bakehouse in Bangalore. They got like amazing, amazing pastry and confectionery. I, I love this place. Oh my gosh, fantastic. Next time I go there and I have them. Yeah. I, I will I will show you around. I'd be happy to show you around. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. So first question for you. Yeah. What is that one song that always makes you cry? Oh God. Uh, Hello Earth by Kate Bush. It doesn't make me cry really, but it's a beautiful song. Mm-hmm. Okay. On the contrary, what is your favorite guilty pleasure song? I was made for loving you by Kiss. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Good choice. Good choice. What is your favorite cuisine? Sushi. Japanese. I should have said Indian. I know. Indian too. I was looking for that. Yeah, that's all right. I have many sushi places here, you know, so. Okay. okay. All right. Specific. If you could put together an all-star percussion group, who would be in it? John Bonham, Buddy Rich, and Neil Peart. Wow, that, that was spot on. Right on. You're getting this, <laughs> getting this on the spot. Great. 
So in the interest of time, I have one last question for you. And, and this is a custom in most of my interviews. And I ask this to all of you stalwarts of music. Mm-hmm. Down in the distant horizon, what would you want to be remembered as? Um, I want to be remembered for someone who brings joy to the people with music and kind of hopefully gives them a better time on planet Earth or lets them develop their dreams with what they hear. Wonderful, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so before we conclude the sex session, this session is also going to be aired on Big FM Shillong and as all to incredible oh. radio stations that cater to music. And yeah. you are also going to be part of my all new audio podcast, which is going to be called Stalwarts oh. of Music with Aditya Veera, which is all set for launch. Good, uh, good, good. Yeah, so amazing. Send me send me the link or something, and then I'll post. I will. Since. I will for sure. So once I upload this, I'd be happy to share this with you. And cool. uh, I'd uh, as we continue to celebrate a dozen marvelous musical pieces, the showmanship that you've displayed over the years in terms of your musical you. abilities, your songwriting. Oh, thank you. In, it, it sort of displays a very rich and intense life that people all across the world sort of await. Thank you. Thank you so much for making thank you. amazing music. Uh, thank you for having me on your uh, show. And that, so that is amazing. Thank you so much for the I'd knowledgeable. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd love to stay in touch with you. We could, we could oh. connect on social media and I'd love to share some amazing Indian uh, music also with you. Yeah. Sounds good. Absolutely. Always open ears. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you once again, Marco, for, for giving all your valuable time into this lovely thank you podcast and uh, stay safe and have a have a great yeah. day you too thank you very much all right see you bye bye bye